This is Person of Interest with Q102's Jeff Thomas. Um, Andrew Salzbrunn, welcome to the Person of Interest podcast. Thank you. I'm Natalie Jones. I will be conducting the interview today. Jeff is actually at the doctor. He hurt his arm mm. and he had to get it all checked out. So going to be okay? Uh, we don't know. That's why he's getting that figured out right now. <laughs> so we hope so. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Right. So Andrew and I have been talking off the mic a little bit here and it turns out we actually like have similar paths. Yeah. We have some friends in, well, no, not really. Up until you became Andrew Salzbrunn. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> We went. We have mutual friends in high school, and we went to. U, we both went to UC. Yeah, and never crossed paths before, or maybe we did. And no, I know it or something, or, right? Yeah. And then you went to Xavier for your MBA. For grad school, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just gonna give you the rundown. For those of you who don't know, Andrew Salzbrand is one of the masterminds of Agar, mm-hmm. and Agar is behind Luminosity, Blink, the one and only Blink, which mm-hmm. is. Super awesome. Blink means a lot to me. It was the first, I just moved back to town and it was the first event I did with Q102 when I got this oh, job. Wow. It was like the next weekend we walked in the parade and it was when I met Jeff and all of my coworkers. Awesome. Then. It was awesome. Uh, Danger Wheel. Um, you also have a record label under your biz now? Yeah, so we house a record label uh, out of our Agar offices called Old Flame. Uh, it's led by Rob Mason and we have about 67 artists across the country wow. across the world actually um with over 100 releases in the last uh seven years i believe that's amazing and do you have some grammy winners on there as well nominated sure. okay yeah, grammy yeah. nominated yeah, artists yeah and then we have hickory wald mm-hmm. all right now so that is your brick and mortar establishment thing that's bars and restaurants i will mm-hmm. list them on nation three points rhinehouse and the hannaford correct and then we just opened our first fried chicken concept uh, oh, chicks! Two weeks ago, yeah, called chicks. Oh my gosh, it's so good! Thanks, I love it. So three points before, uh, right when you guys opened, I spent a lot of time on Thirteenth Street, and I was so excited for you guys to open. <laughs> and I was there like drinking coffee and working on my Mac nice. all the time. And it is my favorite space in town. Awesome. Like all through over the run is great, but Three Points is a beautiful space that is always so welcoming and it makes me feel like when I'm there, I always just feel beautiful and it's just pretty and I just always want to be there. <laughs> well, it's exactly what we went for. Which is a lot for women. So. Yeah. I was like, I like, I like just always, always want to be there now. Like it's great. Rock past it all the time and want to go in. Okay. And then unpolished, which is your collaboration with Crossroads church. Crossroads church. Yeah. Uh, unpolished. We we've now branded, co-branded together with the ocean accelerator. It was kind of a side uh, venture of that. So, it's all under the ocean brand now, but uh, the same network and the same amount of monthly TED Talk style presentations and yeah. uh, and then an annual conference that goes along with it around thought leadership, entrepreneurship, um, how that intersects with faith. And then uh, it all ladders up to our accelerator, which runs year round. And I would say everything around you is a buzzword. Like you are a buzzword from your culture activator you believe um, in the creative class, which I love that. Leveraging human experiences. You're very community focused, cultural driven. You are a culture seeker. How would you describe yourself? I'm somebody that moved back to Cincinnati 10 years ago and just fell in love with the time frame that I happened to land here. Um, I'm a firm believer that the, the 10, 15 year span that we're in the middle of right now is probably the best time ever to live in Cincinnati in the history of the city. Wow, that's um, a strong statement. And I, I don't think a lot of people uh, appreciate that as much as they should, but it's something that I don't, I don't take for granted. And why I, why I love it is we've got a city right now that is incredibly um, welcoming um, and incredibly uh, appreciative of new ideas and supportive of them also. And so coming from Atlanta, when I moved back here, mm-hmm where it's a five degree of separation city um, and everybody's in and out because it's so transient to people that are coming back here, laying down roots, bringing back things they've learned from elsewhere and all looking at each other, wanting to build something to make the place better. It's truly Mm -hmm. unique. um, And it's great to be able to be in that environment and contribute on a regular basis. So that's why I like it here. Is that why you came back? Because you saw the potential of growth here and community and you wanted to be a part of it? That and um, when I was looking at grad school, living in Atlanta, I wanted to I wanted to go quickly and get my MBA done. I didn't mm-hmm. want to be 
in my late 30s, early 40s, still in school. Mm-hmm. And Emory doesn't accept people until they're five years out of college. Um, and I got a ride to Xavier. Was like, you know, nice. let's come home. Let's do it. Um, yeah. And, and got through it in a year, which was awesome. And was able to start, you know, the building process along the way. And so that's that's why I came back. So what were you doing in Atlanta? A little bit of this and that. Um, I, I took a job down there with Delta Airlines mm-hmm. um, right out of college. Was working in their marketing department when they came out of bankruptcy. Um, really understood, got to understand the idea of company culture. Um, they have one of the best internal company cultures in the world with over 50,000 employees. And also making sure that every person in that company was on brand with the messaging. And to be able to see that at scale and how important that was really informed a lot of my work moving forward um, to be able to sit across the table from my clients and, and understand where their values and where their needs come from because it's um, as deep as the people there that are on their team and that's really important. So that's what I was doing down there. Got to see the world. It was an amazing mm-hmm. job and that the travel benefits were ridiculous. And, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, definitely shaped a lot of who I am in a couple short years. Excellent. Okay, so you really work out of agar. Every day, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So what is a typical day for you? No two are the same, but I try to keep regular rhythms up early with workouts at between five and six every morning, three days a week. And uh, I train with the original method, method studio on 12th Street. Um, and then it's early coffees and strategy sessions, mm-hmm. um, working with our team at Agar to look at you know, what are top priorities on the week for a client list. Um, where are we going, casting some vision there. And then um, throughout the course of the day, my role at Hickory Wald is a little different in that a lot of my work comes leading up to the launch of a project. Um, So I uh, typically help put the deal together with a neighborhood that we want to be a part of, um, design the space and the experience and what we're going to put there. And then when we launch, a lot of that is me handing that off to our operations team to run the day-to-day. But um, I focus a lot on um, our upcoming events and making sure that the, the place feels fresh and doing quality control. So I'm able to do that kind of nights and weekends, you know, in between meetings on free time and everything like that. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's been a good balance of being able to juggle both. And they become pretty complementary to each other. So out of you and your partner, Josh, mm-hmm. you're, the, you're the calmer one, the more... Str- you're yeah, the strategy guy. Yeah, rarely smile. Um, <laughs> a lot of people. I've seen say, you smile twice. Yeah, in the past so twenty minutes. <laughs> that's, you're you're uh, you're in a special place then, because okay. uh, most people think that I'm uh, I've got resting a, bitch face. Well, yeah, that's a given. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're like, oh, he's an asshole, and I'm like, just who I am. I don't. Ah, uh, yeah, they so, just don't know. Yeah. They just don't know. They yeah. got to see past it. The ones that can see past it are the ones you let in. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what are the projects you're working on now? Because, I mean, Blink is the biggest public event that's happened in the history of our city. Mm-hmm. So over a million people came to it. Yeah. It was an amazing event. Can I tell you my personal story? Sure. So I just moved back to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I've been gone for almost 10 years. And my mom is in a wheelchair. And it was the first time we went out in public in her wheelchair for her. So it was a really? big deal for her, like emotionally, right? Yeah. So we decided to go to Blink. We have an absolute blast, just the two of us. Yeah. And we end up, we went to 21C and we got drinks along the way, had a blast. By the end of it, we were like running into people on accident because we were just staring at, staring at everything with the thing. And uh, and I took 400 pictures and it was like forever an amazing experience. And the night before I got to be in the parade. Wow. That's a really cool story. Um, you guys definitely picked a heck of a day to start out with going out with a wheelchair. I mean, like the crowds <laughs> down there were it was insane, ridiculous. We're crazy. Ridiculous. So, so that's cool. That's a, I, I think that's one of the my favorite things about Blink is I would like to think through the rest of my life I'm going to hear stories like that. Yeah. Uh, at least from year one and the, the moments we were able to create um, that that people remember that impacted their lives. Like, it wasn't just a mm-hmm. shiny object that we put in front of you. It was the shared moment around art and it was one of the few times we were able to as, as a city get everybody pointed in one direction mm-hmm. and being able to deliver messages about community and inclusion in that process so yeah. it, was, it was pretty neat so yeah. what do you think when you and your team are going through creating these events that you're doing and you're brainstorming what do you think is the common denominator that brings human beings together and that draws them to a certain event like blink for instance 
I mean, a million people came who don't typically, I, I, I think it's safe to say a lot of people who came like don't typically care about art. They don't really come downtown very much. Mm-hmm. And you drew everybody there. Mm-hmm. So what are some common denominators that you really try to hone in on? Yeah, um, that one's unique in that the, the insight we kind of led with was we, we as human beings are hardwired to uh, explore light in places of darkness mm-hmm. and, um, and to be able to show, to take that, that structure and say, well, what if we put light in a really, really cool, creative manner? People want to explore that. We know that. Um, we know that to be true. And so that was kind of at the root uh, of, of where our process was, what we included in terms of artwork. But then we also looked at it to say, this is probably one of the few instances where those that haven't been downtown in a long time or maybe never been downtown in a long time for mm-hmm. whatever reason, don't feel safe. It's hard to get to. Parking's tough. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that we can give them an opportunity to be a part of that and to to see what has developed in the urban core in the last decade, um, and also allow them to explore it on their own terms. It's not a roller coaster ride where you get in and you we buckle you in and, and you head one direction. There's a sense of discovery. Um, there's a choose your own adventure along the way and you can do it all four nights or you can do it for two hours and you can be as adventurous as you want to, uh, which we encourage, or you can stick along the streetcar route and uh, stick with the masses and everything. So it was a lot of that. Um, and it was also creating the marketing message in a way that encouraged a little bit of FOMO encouraged encouraged a little bit of excitement around it to the point where Saturday and Sunday of Blink, so day three and four, we had people driving in from Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Nashville, Indianapolis, St. Louis, who mm-hmm. said, we saw this on the internet on Thursday and Friday, and we packed our car and said, we have to be up there for it. And so if we were getting that reach, we know that those locally within greater Cincinnati that haven't been downtown or, or somewhere close, that we probably achieved that at the same time. And so it was pretty neat to see how far it reached, um, but also just in the region, you know, how much uh, impactful reach it had at the same time. And you guys are doing it again. We are. Yeah. So this fall, uh, second weekend of October, um, we did a lot of research on those dates. Uh, when we, when we did the first blink that historically knock on wood, um, for the last, I think it's 35 years, it has not rained in Cincinnati in, uh, in the second weekend of October. Now, um, there's no wood to knock on in this room. So, <laughs> all right. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. But the weather's fantastic that time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a, there's a cool chill in the air, which is perfect for being outside. Yeah. Uh, the skies are clear and yeah, it just, it's a great time in the programming calendar too, for the city as a whole, uh, where we're starting to teeter off into holiday season, but allows us to, to ramp up for, for one more big weekend. So I want to talk more about y'all's creative process. When you come up with these ideas like luminosity, I can't believe I wasn't here for it. I'm <laughs> so sad. And I was getting videos all along the way, like the first year that it happened, which was 2011, maybe. Sounds about right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and Blink. So how does it start? Do you guys start with this crazy idea and you just think, I'm going to make this happen mm-hmm. no yeah. matter what? Yeah, it's 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 different. Uh, every case. Um, so Luminosity, for example, there was an idea that was led by the, the CSO where they wanted to introduce the new conductor, uh, Louis Langre, in a way that had never been done before. Mm-hmm. Really go over the top because he's a, he was a big get for our city to have here. And so we started looking at what, is, what does it look like to do a show outdoors? And we did a lot of partnership with, with Landor um, and the CSO on that one. And, and our, our goal in that was just helping shape what the guest experience was in, in the park. But the idea ended up being a projection map show with a live symphony orchestra, which had never been attempted, much less done um, anywhere in the world because mm-hmm. it's incredibly technical. And we, we saw that as a, a challenge worth pursuing that was going to introduce Louis Langre into, uh, into the city in the appropriate manner. Um, yeah. So that's where we got that from. Blink, on the other hand, after we'd run the course of Luminosity for a couple of years, like any good thing, they have a shelf life. And out of respect for the artwork, at some point, it's okay to put it down and let it rest for a while. And that's what we saw with Luminosity. Mm-hmm. And um, so while we were, while we were, were taking a break from that, um, it was really interesting. Our partners on Blink, 
Brave Berlin, uh, who handle all the projection mapping and um, agar on our end. We so we do all of the music and entertainment for Blink, and we also do all of the um, international murals that that come in from across the world. And we kind of both were resting from luminosity and kind of figuring out what's next. And very serendipitously, we were working on a couple projects in Miami. Fell in love with Winwood Walls down there, mm-hmm. and saw that as an opportunity to take a look at what the next step of our emerging frontier in Finley Market in the West End could look like. Mm-hmm. So serendipitously, the same day, I sat down with Tim Maloney from the Hale Foundation and said, hey, what do you think about high, high density of international murals um, around Finley Market so that when people come down on the weekends to get their groceries or whatever, or just to hang out, that if we could get them to stay for like one more hour, what would that look like? Yeah. And what it would it look like if we could get them to walk just like one block off the market to see something? And he goes, I love it. And, but what if we did did it bigger uh, because the same day he had sat down with brave Berlin who wanted to do a projection mapping for, uh, festival. And mm-hmm. he said, well, what if we combine those two ideas together to do something over the top? And uh, so it was Tim's vision on, you know, where blink came together and its mm-hmm. synergy. And so from there we, we wanted to include our friends at artworks as a, as a partner yeah. as well. Um, felt very appropriate to have them on board. And then we hired the chamber, the regional chamber of commerce, because we kind of needed a boss you shove a bunch of creatives into a room with a really big idea and sometimes things don't get done. <laughs> and so we needed somebody to crack the whip and make sure that, you know, we we're hitting our deadlines. And so they've been an incredible partner on um, making sure that when you try to pro- program a, a city at scale, like we were doing it well. So. so how do you even, how long did this take for you yeah, so guys? First Blink was 2017. Um, we started working on it, I want to say 2014. Took about three years. Dear um, Lord. Yeah. I long. can imagine. I must say, it's like it was mysterious to me. And I'm sure other people walking sure. around like, how did this happen? Yeah. Who made this happen? Does anybody make any money off it? Do my, are my tax dollars paying for this? Like, yeah. what is the point? I don't even care. It's beautiful and magical. And I love it. Yeah. No, it took a while because we wanted to do it well. Um, we didn't want to just put some light shows out there and, and see if people would show up. Our goal, um, was to for this to be world-class. And so we set out and did some research for a year to see what would world-class look like. And so we went to the Vivid show in Sydney, Australia um, that does over, I want to say like 15 million people in 10 days. We saw Light Night in Leeds. Uh, we went to Berlin. We went to London. Went to Baltimore, which was doing a show the year before Blink in its inaugural year. So we really got to see like how they fumbled through it a little bit yeah. and, and learn from their mistakes. Um, but when we came back and said, okay, it's time to put pen to paper, here's the benchmark. And, mm-hmm. and I think we can be better than that, but that's the goal. And so that's what took a long time. But also when you create something that big, that many moving parts, there's just a lot of details to it. There's a lot of people to talk to. You know, you had the questions while you're walking around, who pays for this? And my tax pays for this. Yeah. So it's free and open to the public. It is completely paid for by companies, sponsors, and yeah. uh, private foundations and donors. Um, yeah. So the city doesn't put any money into it, which is also amazing. They only uh, benefit. Exactly. And everybody that attends gets to to receive it for free, which was the intent. It was a gift to the city, um, mm-hmm. which is why we've decided to do it two years later versus every year out of demand. Um, we want to be able to make sure... Um, you know, when you're getting ready for somebody's birthday or for Christmas, like you want the gift to be right, not mm-hmm. just uh, a gift card. And and so we've been putting a lot of thought into that and taking our time and making sure that like we are being really intentional about every street and block and turn so that you can have those magical moments while you're walking around. So where does all this come from? When you were growing up, did you think, I am going to make Crazy productions of life to draw people together, and it's wow. going to be world class. I'm going to do all of these things. No, um, I mean I was a fine art background. Uh, I liked, was really good at a bunch of different creative talents, but like mm-hmm. I'm an introvert, so the idea of getting a million people together and having to be in the middle of it is not great. Um, yeah. <laughs> so basically, I set out of the drawing board. Okay, what is my nightmare? How do I bring that to life? Okay, we did a good job. <laughs> now get me out of here as fast as possible. Well, it's, it's gonna keep it gonna keep you alive and on your toes yeah, every day. That's exactly for sure. <laughs> exactly. I definitely never dreamt of something the size of Blink mm-hmm. ever. 
or just the size of AdGuard and everything you are involved with. How do you keep all of this straight? To me, it seems crazy overwhelming. So if you are creative, I like to say there are like two sides to like to like a project. There's the creative side, then there's the Excel spreadsheet side. Mm-hmm. And you, you go back and forth. Yeah, um, I definitely go back and forth uh, because when we started Agar, it was Josh and I in the basement of a bar and mm-hmm. we would come up with the ideas and then we had to execute the ideas too. So we cut our teeth, for lack of a better term, by throwing events for monster truck shows where we were doing all the interior decor and um, which was a lot of fun. fun. Like that the, sounds so much fun. I've got the posters from it somewhere and they're amazing. <laughs> I, um, yeah. They would never work for some of our bigger clients, but they worked yeah. at the time being. But so learned what was feasible and also that it was a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. Over the last 10 years, we've developed a ton of systems and processes that has enabled us to go out and get really good people um, mm-hmm. to come work for us. Um, we don't promise a lot of things other than your job will be different than any other job you've ever worked at. Um, and you may get to do things like help create the biggest event in the history of Cincinnati, but you also may be carrying boxes in the middle of August and sweating your butt off. It's all part of it though. Exactly. Um, the ground up. So, so we owe it to our team. Um, we've got an incredibly talented group, um, at Agar right now from a, a strategy level, from an execution level, from our production team. Um, and then we've got a really good creative core as well. So that's nice. So what do you, where does your creativity come from? Um, growing up. I worked alongside my dad a lot when I was super young. Um, I was, I'm the oldest in my family, so I was on my own with him for a long time. And um, he was big into construction and building things. And so I learned at a very young age how to use my hands and build things. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there, just scaled that out to doing my own projects when I was in grade school and high school, but also really enjoyed working for myself. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily because I just wanted to be my own boss, but um, saw a decent amount of opportunity. Um, my first job or first company, if you will, that I started mm-hmm. uh, was about 12. And a guy from up the street came down and said, hey, would you like to cut my grass? I'll pay you mm-hmm. 20 bucks. And I was like, that's awesome. I'm totally in. And uh, go back to my parents' house, grab the lawnmower, and I'm walking down the driveway to go cut this guy's grass. And my dad says, hey, hey what are you doing? I said to guy up the street i'm gonna cut his grass he's gonna pay me 20 bucks and he's like oh well that's my lawnmower i said yeah i figured he'd let me use it. i use it all the time here and he said well it's my lawnmower but you can rent it from me yeah so i had to pay him i think it was two dollars for using the lawnmower so then i filled it up with gas and he says well that's also my gas so i had to buy the gas off of him and then the weed whacker and then the blower and you know eventually i think i was making 11 dollars on the 20 now Ooh. my what? Which at 12 was still a ton of money. I mean, you can buy so many snow cones with that at the pool. <laughs> exactly. But at the same time, that's only 51% of what you were doing. 52. Exactly. Or whatever, 60. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I know for, for certain it wasn't my dad was trying to skim my grass cutting business by any means, but it taught mm-hmm. me a lesson of, oh, so there are costs that go into this. And, you know, over the course of grade school, high school, I grew that grass cutting business and started buying my own equipment. And then in college, had a small construction company for the same reasons and just really learned the, the bare bones basics of what it was like to see an opportunity to run after it and um, and build a team around that. And I think that's kind of just where everything transpired, where that was to, to now, yeah. um, where we just see things and it's like, well, that would, somebody would pay for that, you know? Yeah. And if we have enough passion for it, we'll run after it. And um, what's nice is we have a great team structure right now where we can run after an opportunity and also have the infrastructure in place to support that, to not only get it up and running, but to keep it ongoing. And so that's really exciting. It's a, it's a great point in life to be able to sit back and start to kind of cherry pick opportunities versus, yeah. um, you know, just trying to make ends meet. Well, that's like incredible hard work that's got you here. Thanks. So you're obviously very team driven and you want to build community. Do you think you guys have, have you accomplished your goal here in Cincinnati? I mean, Cincinnati, we are a very different city than we were 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think your involvement in the city has had a lot to do with it. Thanks. Do you think the community of Cincinnati has moved forward, has come together more so than it did 10 years ago? And you think we can continue to grow at the speed we are now? I think there's still a lot of opportunity for growth. We've done a lot, which is great, Mm -hmm. but there are still a lot of people that don't support the idea of 
diversity and inclusion um, mm-hmm. and, and how that, that is not just a box to check. Um, it is a, is a spirit and a mentality that we need to embody as a city as a whole, not just in the urban core or in pockets. So there's a lot of work to be done on that. There's also just a lot of work in getting, getting the reps in and getting familiar with what it looks like to be a growing and thriving city. You know, I, I don't engage in politics much because it's, it's not my realm. It's not what I'm good at. But there are a lot of things that a thriving metropolis um, that we're dipping our toe in the water. But, man, we're not good at it yet. Yeah. Um, we're not good at understanding that while the urban core is growing, more people are moving downtown. And that's awesome that there are going to be parking issues with that. And there's always going to be the same. Um, that will never, ever, ever go away. And yet... That is one of the biggest debates on the face of the planet right now in our city is well, parking. Well, yeah, there's more people coming down. So we have options. You don't necessarily need to drive now at this point, and you can eliminate your parking problem altogether by not having a car. No, I get it. That doesn't work for everybody, but mm-hmm. but we are getting to the point where that is a reality. You know, we look at some of the great wins we've checked off so far in the last five years of getting a streetcar that's up and running. And I know that that is a hot button topic, but we've only built phase one. Um, It's got a lot of other phases till it becomes the backbone to our transportation system. You look at any other major metropolis out there and they have public transportation that's world class. And we do not have that right now. Um, So we've got a lot of work to do there. We got to make more of a need for it first, right? We got to get more people who are going to use it well and i think there's the people there to use it it just um it needs to continue to expand and we need to treat it as an opportunity versus you know just a liability it it mm-hmm. it, it should be the main reason people are able to circulate throughout our ecosystem and that's why we're putting it there uh so that we don't have parking problems so that we don't have traffic so that we can use viable land for other reasons um but we're not there yet and so i see that as one of our, our huge opportunities moving forward We've got some really good wins in, you know, the, the streetcar is great. You know, Were you involved in the streetcar? No, just a fanboy. in general. Yeah. You know, the, the FC deal. Uh, well, yeah, really, it, I can't wait to ask you about that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big move. It is a massive swing. And if you stand back and you look at the amount of time, uh, how short a time period we've gone from, Hey, we're going to have a semi-pro soccer team that plays up at a university to literally stadium in hand in two years with a professional soccer team. I don't think anybody's ever done it in that short. No, span. Cincinnati is really, we are um, up and coming and incredibly more progressive than a lot of people. Think. Yeah. Well, and, and, and in that case, you, we introduced a sport to a city uh, yeah. all, all together in the span of maybe six years. I don't think it's ever been done before. And yeah. I get that, you know, the stadium deal had its, its hiccups, man, we're, we're like a rocket ship pace right now. Yeah. So nobody's doing that. Therefore it is going to be challenging. Therefore, um, it's going to make some people uncomfortable, but we're going to look at back at that in you know ten years and be like, man, the fact that we have three major sports organizations now in in our hometown, uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and and just bringing back uh, the the timing and why I love FC. I'm not even a soccer fan. I just love the movement. Why I love it is they came in at the perfect amount of at the perfect right time where we were starting to do a hockey stick on the on the graph of of growth and winning and came in and brought a winning organization with a spirit of winning to to kind of be the the cherry on top so now Mm -hmm. it's just not a urban core led uh, renaissance for what otr had for the the last five ten years but it's now a region-wide spirit of winning that you know candidly we haven't had uh in a a decent amount of time and we certainly haven't had it in sports in a long period of time (laughs) And again, not even a soccer fan, but I'm just excited to like have something to cheer for. Yes, uh, and everyone is super important. I've only been to one game, and it was wicked fun, mm-hmm. and it was sold out, and everybody's on board. And I think that this time moving forward with the MLS and FC Cincinnati, is we're all everyone's just going to try new stuff and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Like we're all learning together, which I think is so exciting. Absolutely. Are you guys going to be involved in? anything are you allowed to talk about it we don't have anything uh solidified with the soccer team yet and they're, they're still figuring out a ton but we'd love to be a part of anything that they're putting together obviously with our brand at ryan house that being kind of the home for soccer in the greater cincinnati area we've built a culture around being able to be present for any type of soccer match whether it's high school all the way to premier league anywhere in between um, we've kind of built that culture locally mm-hmm. and so one we're just 
thrilled to see it have a home base here with with the stadium and with a with a, a pro team. But at a minimum, we'll continue to support it and be huge fans. Um, but we'd love to to see where we can play a part. That's nice. So you're big into love languages, right? <laughs> I heard that. Uh, something like that. Or so, you you're educated on it. Not every not not all people and men are. I am overly educated on it. I think <laughs> I've been given that book by past girlfriends like at least six times. That has got to be a joke. <laughs> I'm dead serious. You- um, so that tells you. <laughs> How bad of a, a a boyfriend or husband I am? No, it goes um, to show you like that you have a type of woman that, you, that you date. That... Well, and I have a clearly a, a gap in communication <laughs> as well. Um, but I read the book a couple times, so yeah. So uh, you consider yourself a gift giver as your love language. Yeah, I'm very good at giving gifts. So, do um, you think that you're you're giving the city gifts over and over again through yeah, your I productions? So. I, I g- feel like I guess that's a way to look at it. Um, yeah, there, there's some we've been very intentional on. This is a gift to the city, like Blink. But mm-hmm. um, to your point, things like Three Points, um, being able to produce a physical product that has the name of a neighborhood on it and to be able to take that out and, and share that with your friends to say, you know, this, this was in my neighborhood. Um, this came from my neighborhood where I live. Um, mm-hmm. It's an extension of us. Um, and to be able to allow people to give that gift in, a, in extension of Pendleton is awesome. Um, I don't think I've ever looked at it through that lens, but I feel like I could do a keynote talk on what it's like to to be, I don't know, like an elf in Santa's factory just around ideas and yeah. making sure that they're all driven towards somebody else. Do you feel like you are, you're the one who is getting all of the creative mess down on paper? Like, do you have brainstorming sessions and who's the one who gets it together and... Yeah, it makes, makes it a reality. Um, mm-hmm. I do a decent amount of that. I, I know my strengths too. Um, I can get it to a certain point to say, hey, this is rooted in insight and consumer behavior. Um, this is, we are capable of doing this and pulling it off with mm-hmm. excellence. Um, however, if you ask me how much this costs, I'm not the guy. Like, I don't know, it costs <laughs> however much it costs to get it done. Um, but if you ever see me with an Excel spreadsheet open, there is a problem. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm not the guy to be running the numbers on anything. Um, we, we have a great team for that. And we have a, a great team that is able to look at other areas of strategy that I'm, I'm not gifted in. Uh, people that are able to look at it visually um, to say, well, let's look at this through a, d- a lens of design uh, to make sure that we communicate effectively uh, what our intentions are to be able to write what our messaging is so that the words have impact um, and that the ethos of what we're making is there for the right reasons. And so a branding master you are. I mean, we've got a, we've got a good collaborative going on. So. Down. You have the language down as well. I guess. You do. I'm listening like, yeah. this is, you're just, it, I, it's overwhelming. A lot, a lot of buzzwords. Yeah. A lot of buzzwords. Lots, you are yeah. a walking buzzword. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a very productive one. So can you tell me a little bit about Unpolished? So you have a great relationship with Crossroads? Yeah, I've been going there for probably 15 years, maybe a little longer than that. Oh, wow. um, been up in Oakley for a long time. I want to say it's about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Got an email from senior pastor there, Brian Tome, uh, saying, hey, I want to get a breakfast together of entrepreneurs. I'd love it if you'd, uh, if you'd have breakfast with us. Cool. Not sure what it was about. And we sat down at the table and Brian kind of explained his vision for Crossroads and some of the observations they made where if you're not familiar, the Oakley campus has an atrium that's open at, I think, 6 a.m. every day till 5 p.m., maybe later, free coffee, free Wi-Fi. And um, he noticed that there are a lot of people that are using that as, as co-working space and they're working and starting businesses out of there. And Crossroads is very much the entrepreneurial church, the, the startup church, if you will, even though it's almost 20 years old. Mm-hmm. But they, they keep about two weeks of cash on hand and they spend the rest and they spend it running after things that are in alignment with their mission. And I really identify with that. And with that mentality, that, that lens of startup and entrepreneurship, he said, you know, we've got people that are working in our atrium already. How do we put more resources around those entrepreneurs to make sure that they continue to thrive, that more entrepreneurs can come in here and and be a part of our, our fabric. And we said, well, you know, this breakfast is pretty good. Um, the bacon was solid, but you know, the conversation around that was, was where um, we really saw a lot of value. And we said, well, what would it look like to recreate this moment um, for just any entrepreneurs in the crossroads community? Um, and so we said, well, maybe we can do some sort of an event. And 
just see what happens. And uh, I, in some crappy PowerPoint presentation, I put this idea together for the brand of Unpolished um, because we didn't really know what we were doing and we wanted to share it out as an event to business owners, but also like build in some grace to it of like, hey guys, we're all volunteering on this. If it yeah. sucks, you got it on the memo when you <laughs> saw the name Unpolished. Um, but at the same time, like it really rooted in the ethos of like, uh, what entrepreneurship is and what, you know, owning your own business is, it's like never going to be perfect. And you're cobbling it together, building your parachute as you jump out of the plane. And so it's going to be messy sometimes. So we, we kind of sparked to that brand. Anyway, all that to say, we, we set out 40 chairs, um, to do just some like Ted talk style discussions. And I think like 450 people showed up the first night and we were like, Oh wow. Okay. Um, we got to find some more chairs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And we thought maybe we caught lightning in a bottle and it was just a, as a one-time thing. And then we did it again the next month and 500 people showed up. Oh, we really got something here. And so that turned into a three-year sprint of, um, of doing these, these meet and greet talk nights. I think after about the third year, we launched, um, we launched ocean, uh, as an accelerator for some of these, these, uh, um, these small businesses. So we saw that entrepreneurship is a super lonely thing. Um, you are in it by yourself and one of the biggest opportunities and things that you need is community. Um, so whether it's to come to an event like unpolished and just hear other people's stories on what they're struggling with and where they're winning, um, how their faith journey is intersecting with their business journey. That's great. Um, but we saw a need to give additional resources. And so we built the ocean accelerator, which allows people to apply and if they're accepted, run their business through a six-month accelerator course downtown that shows anything from basic brand development uh, to hiring strategy to becoming a better leader to raising money to pitching and launching. So we built that curriculum and launched that. And so far, I think we've done five classes uh, with that. We actually had our first exit about three weeks ago um, with a company that sold to uh, MailChimp, which was kind of cool. And at the same time, we built a national conference with Unpolished. And then we got to a point where uh, about a year ago, it was just getting confusing. Like, okay, is Ocean Unpolished? Is Unpolished Ocean? You guys all share the same team and leadership and there's two separate brands. So we just merged them together for simplicity. So now it's just Ocean. Um, so there's Ocean Accelerator and there's Ocean Talk Nights. Where did Ocean come from? To me, it's like the acronym of what Ocean means creatively. Have you heard this before? No, I've not. Okay. So... O is openness to experiences. C is conscientiousness. E is extroversion. A is agreeableness. And N is neuroticism. Mm. And all of that I read in like Time Magazine has like the science of creativity. Interesting. And that's what they said. That that was like their ocean of neuroticism and creativity and how wow. they weave together in a positive manner. That's cool. I've never heard that before. So where so. did Ocean come from? So yeah, I can't take credit on the brand for Ocean. Uh, that that came from Chad Reynolds, who was kind of in our founding core. Um, him and Tim Brunk and Tim Metzner uh, went to the table and built that. But the idea being around the ocean physically, the water, kind of poses a lot of different scenarios where it can be something that's incredibly powerful um, if you're able to ride a wave or you're able to sail across it, um, you're able to, to do things with your business that are um, what, what people thought were not possible at one point. Um, it can also be uh, incredibly lonely. It can be incredibly dangerous. Um, and it can be one of the few places on earth where uh, nobody else can be there to support you. Um, and so we wanted to create an environment of high challenge um, where you are going to be out on the ocean by yourself. However, uh, we're not going to give you a life raft, but we are going to equip you with the tools to ride the wave or to sail across it. And so it kind of pulled in the mantra of everything into one beautiful place. Plus, the ocean's beautiful, so the brand kit is amazing. Um, nice. And it just <laughs> looks really good. So uh, You know, like 85% of the people in the world, their favorite color is blue. Exactly. So if you're yeah. going off that at all. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's that's kind of where that where that lives now. Uh, we're really excited to see that thing continue to grow and thrive. We're launching the program in other cities. So we have other satellite cities now that are running. Dear Lord, you are so impressive. You have so much going on. We could talk for hours. We could. Again, I'm not doing the launching, but I have a really good team that's doing the launching and owe it to them. So, uh, so they're crushing it with that. And we think that it has the power and the um, ability to potentially be a a countrywide program at some point. Let's talk about you more. Let's get back to you. 
I read that you believe that, you know, that that media and let's say social media, for instance, you know, is really pulling people apart mm-hmm. and that you want to take your experience to bring cultural experiences, to bring people together. Mm-hmm. What I think is great is that you oftentimes or some of your biggest events, you've used media. Mm-hmm which can separate people, mm-hmm. but to bring everybody together yeah. in ways that has never been done before. Yeah. Um, so Agar is rooted on the the belief that as the world moves more and more digital, the power of a human experience uh, becomes inherently more mm-hmm. valuable. And, yeah, um, and we truly root that in the essence of all of our work, social media, digital media, et cetera. Like those are important and they are tools. However, uh, we're never going to lead with that as well here's the solution to all your problems. You put yeah. a couple of tweets out, you get some influencers, yada, yada. I mean, you can do that and you can, you can draw awareness, but you're not going to move the needle in terms of change and you're not going to have lasting change in those moments. Um, so we harness those as tools to support whatever the intrinsic value is that we're trying to emulate through our process. Um, so if it's something like Blink, um, Blink is powerful because it is beautiful in that more people are able to see it outside of the ones that just got to share the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also creates a platform for people to vocalize those moments of magic that they experienced. Um, you know, we, we, we actually scan through a lot of social media after Blink to see where do we, where do, we do well, where do we fail. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a lot of storytelling. It was the, yeah. the wheelchair stories and it was the... Um, the moments of people I've never met before that happened to live a block away from me. And I didn't know that, but I got to meet them at Blink. And so stuff like that. And we see the effectiveness of media, but we also see the where, where it kind of hits its ceiling. And a lot of what we're facing right now for challenges and opportunities in our city um, have to be boiled down to one-to-one human interaction. Like that. that is... For, for lasting change, lasting impact to happen. Um, there has to be a conversation that's face-to-face. There has to be a shared moment. And media can help get those conversations and those moments to be bigger, which is mm-hmm. important, um, but they're not going to be the, the driver of the moment. When you were a kid, did you have to take, ever have to take those tests in school that were um, that explained what you're going to be when you grow up or that predicted what, you, what path you were going to go down? I, I probably did. Um, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm in a men's group uh during the week and right now we're talking a lot about those and there's a couple guys in the group that are just such firm believers and like man it's crazy you do this check these boxes and it like blows your mind and i was like i don't know I, one you're like, a pisces i can tell right exactly or yeah you're or you're um what's the other big one the disc score and people can rattle off well, i'm a x y and z and whatever oh, yeah. i don't even remember taking the test much less yeah. what the result was but um I can tell you I'm introverted. I can tell you I I run after things really hard. But outside of that, um, I don't know. I, I probably did when I was younger, but it probably it wasn't nowhere. That yeah, you, I was yeah. probably going to be a painter or something like that. It didn't tell you you were going to be like an accountant, and then like somehow you're doing what you are now. No, I don't. Anything? Definitely don't think it told me I was going to be an accountant because that was a D plus class all the way through college. Yeah. Just, just just trying to get Same. it done. Oh so, my god, yeah. there were classes like that that I remember telling my dad like. I don't know. I'm I'm terrible at calculus. I'm like all you got to do is pass. You're yep. a communications major. It doesn't exactly. matter. Exactly. All you got to do is pass. Yep. Do you have a pivotal a pivotal moment or experience in your life that led you on the path to where you are now? I don't think there was a pivotal moment that led me to see the path and head down it, but the experience that gave me the most clarity um, in the first eight years, maybe seven or eight years of doing all this things were just coming in or we were getting excited and we were just kind of pointing and flailing and getting it all done. And it was, was great, but getting married, um, was Mm -hmm. amazing. And I think being able to have a a peer and a partner that can take my brain and wherever it's going and be able to help give it focus, um, because she's able to see where that fits into like my personal identity and where it's important and where it's not important also Mm -hmm. super helpful. So I would say having a rock star teammate has been the most pivotal moment in terms of my career and where I'm going. Oh, that's beautiful. And you were recently, what you guys have married for two years, two years. Yeah. And what's your wife's name? My wife's name is Jess. She is a designer. 
She's right. a little bit of everything. Yeah. She's um, she's the smart version of all of my skill sets. Oh, so, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, data scientist. She's a molecular biologist. She's an interior designer. Um, oh, crazy. She's a social media influencer. Like, just, um, I'm just trying Beautiful to- Beautiful brain. Yeah, I'm just trying to ride her, yeah. ride, ride her coattails and, um, you know, see where she goes. That's you know? wonderful. Yeah. So what is the best thing that's happened to you in the past year? Best thing that's happened to um, Last- june we decided on a a sunday fun day uh go house shopping with our friends which was not good after a couple mimosas um you make really bad decisions and <laughs> uh we ended up buying this 170 year old house um in clifton as a project um and like that day pretty much you made the decision yeah we were not looking to move <laughs> yeah, yeah, um yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at the same time or, or maybe like the same week decided to get a puppy and um <laughs> And it turns out our puppy is deaf um, and he's uh-huh. learning impaired. And so like what we bit off and what we thought we were going to be able to chew turned out to be two totally different things. Yeah. However, the two experiences happening at the same time, man, they really um, they grounded me in what it looks like to do work with meaning and also mm-hmm. do things that are something that I want to put my name behind and want to become a part of my life uh versus yeah. just a, a project or a gig so i would say those two combined were the most um exciting slash horrible things uh of <laughs> last year tied into one tiny little bow so yeah yeah so you have like your work projects out here and then you also got your yeah. life projects here that keeps you yeah exactly so. exactly all right so what about the past month the best thing that's happened in the past month so we bought a firehouse um Mm. last week from the city up in westwood um so we're gonna be opening uh nation kitchen and bar in westwood Um, thanks so hoping to get that done this year super excited about that it's a it's a historical firehouse that's just amazing um and we'll be going in across the street from across the park from west side brewing um so really pumped to exactly what you're talking about on the corner there yeah 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 yeah. cool yeah um so we're pumped about that uh that location specifically really fits in with our mission of going into um emerging neighborhoods where we can have a lot of impact as a participatory partner Mm -hmm. um and man the city of westwood or the neighborhood of westwood has been incredibly gracious with us and we've never been in an environment where people are so excited to have us, like literally every day, somebody from Westwood calls Nation in Pendleton and says, when are you guys opening? I'm like, we just got the place, guys. I'm like, give us a couple months. Uh, we promise we will serve you hamburgers at some point. So, um, so yeah, that's been really exciting in the last month. Well, that's so cool. Congratulations. Thanks. Okay, Thanks. now the past week. Uh, well, it was my birthday last week. So that was... Congratulations, uh, 34. Yeah, yeah. So just getting a little bit older. Um, we had a... A nice birthday dinner at our house um, on Friday, and um, which is one of those great moments where you get to like have almost an out of body experience of like, man, I've got people around me that are awesome and that are a thousand percent the reason of like why life is so good right now. And yeah. you have those moments where you're just like, you know, if this is as good as it gets, like take it all day, every Aww. day. And um, and so that was cool in the last week to have that. That's really. Awesome. Thanks. Do you have a year so far that you say like this year, like a number that was a really excellent year for you? Like 25 was really great or 27. Mm. Yeah. Um, man, when I was 25, that was probably my most formative year. Um, I had like a three week period, maybe two week period where I almost lost my dad in an accident. I almost lost my mm. sister in an accident. And my girlfriend that I lived with at the time dumped me in like a two week period. Wow. And, um, so to know what a low felt like and yeah. like, you know, battling through depression that came with that, that was really brutal, but it was also at the same point, like it, it was nice feeling what I, I guess that was my closest thing to rock bottom. I was like, Hmm, okay, I can dig myself out of this, but it's, it's nice to have that in the corner to kind of reflect back to on yeah. a consistent basis. So it makes you appreciate the things like, blink or a birthday dinner that mm-hmm. um that that make you really look back with fond memories of of things that have gotten you there yeah it's less than 10 years ago so yeah congrats you worked very hard thanks congrats on that thank you and now let's see in the past day today what's the best thing that's happened today um well, it's monday uh 
you know, got out of bed uh, yeah. and was well rested, had a great weekend. We've got a lot of big deadlines coming up this week. And so our team is like super jacked and energized. We're kind of at the tail end of pitching season where we're the work that we've been pitching is starting to be won and, and awarded and whatnot. Um, so it's just like a lot of good vibes around the office to start the week off. Everybody's really hungry and um, excited to, to chomp at the bit. So Nice. Yeah. Well, heading into the spring, all smiles. Yep. All yeah. smiles and a little bit of dread of like how much stuff we got to get done this year, but it's exciting. It sounds know? exciting. Yeah. yeah. So looking forward. So we are in February mm-hmm. and Blink is set for this coming fall again in yep. October. Yep. What is, aside from Blink, what are you most looking forward to for the rest of this year? We're going into our fifth year of Danger Wheel this year. Which yeah, really I went to Sash for the first time. Nice. It was fun. Yeah. Um, that's just been a super fun event that like me and a buddy, Judd Watkins, were drinking beers and we're like trying to figure out something that Pendleton could own as its own thing. Mm-hmm. And we're like, you know what? We should race big wheels down that hill. It'd be awesome. And now, you know, in its fifth year, does 10,000 people on a beautiful Saturday um, watching people try not to kill themselves going down a, a, yep. a hill. Um, yeah. So just pumped about that because it like, you know, all the money goes back to the neighborhood. So you get to see some of the impact over the course of the year that it has. But at the same time, it's crazy. And um, it's also nice doing something like just for fun yeah. uh, where you don't have a boss. So you can kind of like stretch some rules and yeah. take some risks and everything <laughs> too. And you get to watch people be kind of idiots along the way um, as they decide to go barreling down a hill and off a ramp. So That's good. awesome. Yeah. Andrew Salisburn of Agar and all things we just talked about, Blink, Luminosity, Hickory Wald. Where did that name come from? Yeah. Um, is, that, is, that, is that a thing that I don't know what it is? No, or? it's, it's uh, we never really intended it for it to be like external facing, but we just got tired of like listing out all the locations and we're like, we yeah. a brand. And so we just kind of built this quiet brand around uh, the story of Andrew Jackson, uh, whose nickname was Old Hickory, um, who was really, really good at unifying people um, yeah. around his ideas. And that a lot of times our ideas seem a little nondescript where you can't see the forest through the trees, mm-hmm. um, but that they're pretty powerful because they're 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 not direct. Um, and so a wall is actually a band of sticks um, that are stronger together than their individual parts. And so mm-hmm. we... Uh, we look at that as um, the key driver in our guest experiences because our people are good. Um, anybody can serve you a hamburger or pour you a beer. Um, however, the experience created by a handful of those people is what really makes it impactful and memorable. So, Well, thank you very much, Andrew Salisburn. Everybody check him out at Agar. And what is your website? Uh, it's agaragency.com. And your Instagram? It's Salisbury Steak. So I'm going to play on the I last creeped you a little bit. bit over the past couple of weeks. It's really, nice. it's really nice. Thanks. I would thank you so much for being on Person of Thanks Interest. We'll see you soon. Appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's Person of Interest. I want to thank my guest host, Natalie Jones, for doing such a great job. And if you found Andrew's story as interesting and as compelling as we did, send us an email to POI, stands for Person of Interest. That's POI at WKRQ.com. Also feel free to suggest a future Person of Interest. Until next time, for Person of Interest, I'm Jeff Thomas. Thanks for listening. These are the people behind the stories that matter to you. Thanks for listening to Q102's Person of Interest with Jeff Thomas.